0: I'm happiest in the saddle, <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent, Great Scott?
1: What do you say we cut the chit chat,
0: a-hole? Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria.
1: Come with me if you want to live.
2: Hello and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time, yes, ladies and gentlemen, 1985 commando dun, dun, dun. release the beeping clock release the what's the is it the pan pipes the steel what, what drums steel, steel drums, drums. those oh those
0: very well fitting jamaican steel drums
2: yeah so we have been obviously george and i were hoping to do this in person together which is why um it's not been done for so long uh, i think we wanted to t- tee this up with uh,
0: a lot of either. people it has been a very popular request of like hey guys come on when are you gonna do commando
2: yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about in the episode, it was up in the beginning, you know, way back when we first started, we decided to do Predators, one of our first episodes, Commando, was considered. And in this episode, we will touch on the crossovers that have popped up in Die Hard and the sequel that never was of Commando and all the other links. Um, but what can people expect? Maybe one or two impressions of Arnold Schwarzenegger, maybe... Some comments on wardrobe
0: for, for villains, perhaps
2: just per chance per chance but no we this film is is kind of one of the reasons we're doing this podcast so if you like our podcast if you like the episodes you've done before you are not going to be disappointed just be aware that as well as taking the piss out of this film and having a lot of fun with it we have an enormous amount of love for a film that maybe a few critics don't rate that highly but who cares so george should we give the guys a bit of a disclaimer For the uninitiated
0: Retro Ramble, we are a film podcast. Charlie and I are brothers. And this podcast is all about us revisiting the films of our youth. Have they stood this test of time? Uh, What have they gone on to influence? Have they been remade? Have they been spun off into a series? and all that jazz but yes it, as Charlie was hinting it's an affectionate look but it's almost like uh, reminiscing with an old friend so yes we we go into these films in detail They're spoilers from the off whilst it's not an in-depth critical appraisal we we sort of try and shed some light on the films in terms of trivia but we also want to have a bit of fun with it as well
2: it's about remembering the mindset we had when we watched these films. We were young. We were young kids. You know, we watched these films. We found them hilarious. We thought the blood, the explosions, was were, were hilarious. And I think we t- we try to hold on to some of that mentality while still looking at it through the lens of 2021 and um, as came up on our last episode talking to time and sing they are still making films like this if you look to fast and furious and uh, Mm -hmm. I'm sure some other links will come up um, whether it be in our coulda woulda shoulda or some special features that we've got coming up later on so um, this film was brought to us by who George it was 980
0: well it's it's a Joel Silver production Uh, he's he's no stranger to retro ramble uh I, I think it's the first time we've encountered director mark l lester i think is, is his name. so yes we will we'll talk about him as well
2: right i'm ready to hit the trailer are you ready to go are you ready have you flexed this is a big one for us bro
0: I've, I've packed all my bags all my guns i'm dangling with grenades go for it
2: okay <laughs> let's do this enjoy the show enjoy You know, Colonel, we went to a lot of trouble to find you.
0: They murdered his friends. And they took the only thing he would kill
2: for. If you want your kid back, then you gotta cooperate. Right? Wrong. Now, somewhere,
0: somehow, someone's gonna pay.
1: do you think that he's going to give us any problems
2: you'll do exactly as he's told
1: you're a funny guy sally that's why i'm going to kill you last are you going to tell me what's going on or what no don't disturb my friend he's dead tired what are you doing helping you get her back Remember, Sally,
2: when I promised to kill you last?
1: That's right, Matrix. You did.
2: I lied.
0: If it's a mission no man can survive, he's the man for the job. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Commando. It's party. Oh, I don't think I've actually seen the trailer for Commando.
2: Oh, but don't. you will. You will, man. I'll send them to you when I'm, you I know, will. in yeah. in, in, prep, in, prep, in prep for this. But um, there's a lot of them his... getting ready.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. They took his <laughs> daughter. They took a lot the of wrong, wrong man's daughter. <laughs>
2: There's lots of mummies being exploded. Um, so, George, before I ask you the, the question I ask you on every single episode of, of how did we get this film, just to explain what a lot of our followers have been asking, why is it taking us so long? I mentioned this in the intro. We were going to cover this as one of our first films, were we not?
0: Uh, to be fair, we've been doing this podcast for a few years now, so I knew, obviously, you know, Arnie... It was going to come
2: up. <laughs> it, it,
0: no, it was... Um, Arnie, as as many of our regular listeners will know, he's he's a regular. You know, I think we do at least one Arnie film a year. A quarter, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Well, uh, I, I say maybe it's usually like at least two a year, um, and yeah, I think it's one of those films that was when we were drawing up the list of okay, what films do we want to cover on this this pokey little podcast? Commander was right at the top, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we have put it off for whatever reason. Um, we wanted and- to
2: do it in the same room. Unfortunately, we're still doing these mostly remotely um, because I can't get a truck driver to take me over the channel. But, you know, we, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a long time coming and it, it has landed like a greased up Arnold Schwarzenegger on Val Verde Beach. I'm ready, I'm pumped, and I'm rowing for action.
0: In your Speedos.
2: In my Speedos, yeah. I mean, he, I was like, when's he going to get a wardrobe change? He's been wearing mm-hmm. that shirt for the whole film. So, George... It's 1985. We've got this small film with up and coming star, Arnold of the Schwarzenegger variety. How did we get this film? So
0: it's a bit of a a funny one, this one, because I I was thinking about this and I'm going to sort of weave into to first memories as well, because I think we watch these films all around like the same time. So Terminator, Commando, um, Aliens, Predator, they all sort of melded into one obviously we were far too young to see them at the cinema <laughs> and, and and it was quite a few years you know a gap between watching them on on home video but when you actually think about it this was arnie's first proper action picture so if you look at his career he had done uh, obviously he his, his first sort of features were the conan films and then he broke through with with terminator and We've done Terminator 2. We haven't covered the Terminator yet. And if you think about it, Terminator, him lobbying for the role of the villain was a big gamble for him. You know, he could have been, easily could have been typecast as a villain going forwards. But obviously it made him a huge star. And off the back of it, the new head of 20th Century Fox was like, this guy, Schwarzenegger, he's a phenomenon. And he said to uh, the screenwriter, Stephen D'Souza, If you can find a movie for him that can be done under 12000000 million, I'll greenlight it immediately. So Sold! (laughs) So, yeah, it was was a bit of a weird one. So, um, Stephen D'Souza started going through all the action scripts that Fox had, and they came across this one for Commando. It wasn't always a Schwarzenegger vehicle. It was a much uh, more grounded affair. So, the original script had been written by uh, Jeff Loeb and Matthew Wiseman, who had uh, written the film Teen Wolf, uh, and Jeff Loeb would also go on to become uh, quite big in the comic uh, book world. So he wrote, wrote a lot of Batman graphic novels. And I think he's now a executive producer or you know, quite high up in Marvel television.
2: That's um, where I know his name from. I think it's... Um, did he do The Dark Knight? He might be credited... Is he one of the writers? I think he's one of the writers on I think he The might Dark Knight have, Returns.
0: Maybe. Or The uh, Long Halloween, maybe. Uh, that's I, the one. That's yeah. the one. The Long
2: Halloween. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, they'd written this gritty script... A downbeat story of a retired, world-weary Israeli super-soldier called out of retirement. And obviously later in the, in the pod, I'll talk about who was initially considered, and they were very different people, very far away from Arnold Schwarzenegger. However, Steven D'Souza um, re- rewrote it to fit Arnie's persona. And again, as I say, like this was the first big Arnie action pick, and this was the first time, even though... Obviously, in Terminator, you've got moments of dark humor that, you know, Cameron we- weaves in with the, you know, um, I'll be back and fuck your asshole. But this was the first film that started laying the one liners and the repeating one liners. So it's very much a, a benchmark film for all the, the Arnie action films to, to come. And This is Arnie, the
2: formula, like a Bond yeah, formula.
0: Yeah, this was this was the first film where it started the Arnie formula, essentially. And uh, and he said, that, you know, uh, there's a great article in Empire magazine. They did a big celebration. And D'Souza said he read the script out to Arnie and Arnie's like, I like this part. I'm not a robot from the future or a caveman from the past. I'm in clothes and having a family. It's a part John Wayne could play. I do this picture. So yeah, for him, again, yeah, it was a first proper, you know, those roles that he'd dreamed of, you know, when he came to Hollywood of doing, of being that big John Wayne-esque heroic character. As uh, I mentioned in the intro, it's a Joel Silver production. And again, you know, Joel Silver would go on to do some of the biggest and loudest and most macho action movies of the 80s and 90s. You know, we I said he's a regular...
2: A bit of a platform for him too. I mean, he's big now, but I mean, this was, he was, he was, this you could say was the beginning of his, or in the middle of his, of his rise.
0: Yeah. So he, his two films prior to this um, were The Warriors, uh, which will be a, is on our retro revelations list, because uh, n- neither of you and I uh, unbelievably haven't seen The Warriors.
2: I've seen, uh, I've seen half of it. Doesn't count. It doesn't count. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm um, pregnant.
0: Yeah. And he also did uh, 48 Hours. With, with Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. So relatively early on in Joe Silver's career, but obviously he would then go on to, you know, all the other films we've covered of his. So Predator, Lethal Weapon. Um, Die Hard. Demolition Man, Die Hard. Matrix. Matrix and, and And many, many more. Many, many more. Yeah, He was brought on board to produce it, and they brought on director Mark L. Lester. So he's usually, um, before this, was a, a veteran of loads of cult movies I've never heard of, in all honesty. But the film that brought him into the mainstream, uh, which we ha- well, I haven't seen for a long time, is uh, the Stephen King adaptation Firestarter with Drew Barrymore. Oh, Do
2: you remember wow. that film? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was nuts.
0: So, yes, that was a film that sort of got him noticed. And then he did, he went on to do Commando after this.
2: He does like to blow shit up.
0: He does like to blow shit up. <laughs> so, that's, uh, that's basically the sort of how it came to be. I mean, obviously, I've got some some sort of tidbits about casting and and stuff well, along let, the way. Well, let,
2: let them come up as they do, because I think... Or, this,
0: uh, or this do we? I mean, do we want to talk about the set, the scene in terms of the rivalry with Stallone now?
2: I, I think it's probably worth mentioning where... Uh, I mean, where, so where was Stallone at this point in his career? Because these two films did overlap. I think everybody knows the behind-the-scenes chat of one was looking over the shoulder. I, th- I think I remember hearing Arnie say... Yeah, but mine's going to be funnier and stand up the test of time longer. Which yeah, could be is still today debatable. Um, so yeah, yeah. Where where was what was Stallone doing? Well,
0: Stallone. Uh, so I think um, so. Rambo: First Blood Part Two, uh, came out as they were making uh, Commando. So I don't think I think some people try and phrase this as a response to to Rambo, but it was already being made when Rambo came out. So I think it was. It just hadn't been finished
2: when Rambo came
0: out. Yeah, Yeah. whilst the rivalry was there, I don't think it was made as a response to Rambo. I think it was just like, again, like, you know, Arnie was desperate for a big heroic action picture. The studios after Terminator, he was huge. So, you know, people wanted to make movies with him. And I think just the the rivalry because of, you know, they were the two big muscly guys in Hollywood. And there were obviously getting offered similar projects there was that natural rivalry there
2: it's just funny in that they um they're both funny they're both funny uh one-man armies for different reasons and in oh, rambo it. in rambo is because you you're loving it and it's like oh my god he's such a badass and he is he but in, i think in in ram rambo what rambo creates is much more of a you've got the movie term for this it seems much the stakes are higher it's, yeah. not as, it's not as obvious in Rambo that he's going to make it out, whereas Commando is cartoonist in that he's like Jack Reacher or Jack Reacher's like John Matrix, you work it out, but nobody can stop John Matrix.
0: I mean, uh, we, we touched, I think we touched on this in our chat with Time in, in, the, in the last episode, that they're both very similar films. They're both wearing that, the, that sort of Reaganist, uh, politics, you know, gung ho, right wing, America saves the day type, you know, messaging. But what they're both doing it very differently. So whereas, and they're both very comic book action, larger than life. But Rambo is, you know, carrying over from its very grounded original is very po faced and takes itself seriously. serious.
2: A, a, it does like a lot of a, Stallone a, take himself very yeah, seriously?
0: Like Stallone takes himself seriously and just happens to be ridiculous whereas at least yeah with with commando they i think they they well they're all saying from the very off they knew it was always going to be tongue and cheek they knew it was going to be larger than life and the fact you know fitting it to to schwarzenegger's persona he's this huge man mountain austrian living in america but for some reason you know american special forces don't worry about that
2: don't worry about that there's a lot of don't worry about that but that's what makes this film so great and and you know look at you look at that
0: opening i mean once you get past what i call the
2: no 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 which opening are you talking about general kirby turns up are you talking about the the um what is it, the montage?
0: I was going to say, you've got like, it's almost like a Bond-esque cold open with all these different people, who are all these people oh, yeah. getting killed off. Yeah. And and could you really die? For, would you get enough run up in a car showroom to run somebody over? Never mind.
2: I, I All I remember, George, is that I think that these opening scenes were also the victims of tracking and recording off the telly back in the day, because I don't know if my, me- my memory serves me correctly, but I get the feeling that I'm sure the first version of Commander we watched started with him in the mountains. I think probably, probably I, I, it's, it's very believable that it could be that. But I didn't yeah.
0: I, did, I didn't get to the press recording time, um, but yeah, that the, Arnie's entrance where he's he's carrying w- a tree. He's carrying a tree. <laughs> he's got a chainsaw in one hand. He's surrounded by dried ice. It's it's amazing, <laughs> and and from from that snapshot. It tells you everything you need to know about this film. Like, yes, it's going to be ridiculous. Yes, it's going to be awesome.
2: I just like to think that Michael Bay was watching this at university and going, I'm going to make films like this. This is
0: cinema. (laughs) Because it was
2: just so... It's just so nuts. He's got this... It's setting the scene. There's definitely uh there's some some very cute, sentimental music being played. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Um, but,
0: well that's it. Like, you know, he's 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 a loving father. You know, he's he's a family man. Let's get ice cream, let's feed deer together. Let me turn you into a trained killer. <laughs> 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 um that's that's the that's the spin-off. It's yeah, I say I think Commando is. Is very much, even though in some of the interviews I was reading, um, you know, one with Vernon Wells, who, who plays Bennett, and he was like, oh, no, we were treating it properly, seriously when we were making it. I I just can't believe that in terms of some of the shots, obviously, Stephen D'Souza's script, you know, so, so many of the one-liners, they know it's ridiculous. And, you know, they're just like, I think it, they just get caught up into it, what the 80s was, is let's just make it bigger. Let's just go bigger and more ridiculous. It's fine.
2: I love that line that uh, D'Souza says about how he's selling, what you, the thing you were talking about before, he said, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a family man, I'll do this film. But the, D'Souza did an impression of Arnie when he was doing the Sully line. Yeah. <laughs> he, that apparently D'Souza's in front of Arnie going, and then you say, you know how I said I'd lied. And he's like, I totally forgot that I was doing an impression. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Too honest to Arnie's watching. <laughs> anyway.
2: Of himself. Uh, but Arnie laughed and took it well, and we, and we have Kamana. But yeah, for me, and I think it's worth pointing this out because I love the opening of this film. And as you say, it is like a Bond film. I mean, there's a lot of For Your Eyes Only going down the hill. I I don't know which which did it first or which did it better, but it it doesn't matter at this stage. But um, it's very Bond-esque. It opens like raucous, you know, loads of things happening. And then the Kill Count, the Kill Count's kept it's kept the last twenty minutes, and yes, obviously it does go uh, redonkulous mm. at the end. But throughout the film, there's there's a, there's a few hits, one in there. But it's a big opening, and then the story takes off. But what an opening! It's like um, seeing what? his house, seeing him being threatened, and going down and getting his guns, and what can he well, do?
0: I was thinking that because, like, and it, again, you can touch on this better than me. But um, how influential this film is in terms of not just action movies and action cinema but games as well isn't it in like one of the call of duty games the,
2: the, the mansion the mansion is in i think it's uh modern warfare 2
0: yes i was uh, gonna say modern warfare 2
2: it's sold as being a different type of mansion but you look at it and it's just lifted directly out of commando like all it, the stairways and everything so it's fun to be running about there trying to not get killed by people
0: and that's it i think it's been you know it, it's so influential on like loads of eighties arcade games as well. And in terms of, yeah, that one man army man with the big chain gun, um, just, just mowing down people. But yeah, as you say, it's sort of, it starts off as an almost wrong foots you because so they've, they've got his daughter and I kind of forgot this until somebody, um, his mission. So yeah, somebody brought it up on Twitter recently saying the film wrong foots you because it's like, you've got, um, Dan Hedaya, the, um hamming it up as, you know, the evil general. Um, he's, you know, the dad from Clueless. Yeah. And he's like, you must go to Val <laughs> and kill the president. He will know. He, he trusts you um, because, yeah, he obviously got rid of this evil general. And it's like, oh, it's going to be a, you know, it's a. Um...
2: Assassination. It's going to be. What's the French one? The, yeah, um... I was going to
0: say, um, not Fourth Protocol. Day of the oh Jacket.
2: It's gonna be Dave the Jackal. Yeah,
0: he's on. He's gonna be, you know, pushed into this thing, and it's like they've
2: got my daughter. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got to do it,
0: and it's like, no, no, scrap that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna he <laughs> no, He's the... too badass. He's too badass for that.
0: So yeah, it, it does that wrong footingness, and then it turns into it's a, a race against time. Why do we know it's a race against time, Charlie? I don't know.
2: Is it? Is it because he keeps looking at a certain clock? Beep. Beep. I mean, which 24 I, would take on years later to an amazing success in terms of creating tension. They stole I, it from Commando.
0: I mean, they, they obviously they've created, Stephen D'Souza's created this fictional country of Valverde, which has its own little cinematic universe. So Valverde is some uh, fictional, yeah, South American country. We don't know exactly where it is, but it crops up again in Die Hard we 2. We covered this
2: in our live show that we did on Die Hard.
0: Yes, yes. I think one of the the audience members asked about it. Um, And Steven D'Souza, even though I don't think he was involved in writing Predator, he has come on record saying that Predator is set in Val Verde, even though there is conflicting reports. Again, it's an unnamed South American country. But it's basically so Hollywood can get away with saying it's not Nicaragua, it's not Cuba, we're not offending anybody. (laughs) It's just some corrupt South American country
2: yeah don't um, don't worry
0: about that but i felt like an 11 hour uh, plane ride was very far away from america but don't worry about that
2: convenient plot device
0: convenient plot device but i noticed there's there's moments in this where i feel like arnie hasn't properly shaken off his terminator acting because he's do- he does a bit of the side eye when yeah. he's like and there's a bit where he's being forced onto the plane, and he's just staring at the undercarriage <laughs> of the plane, and it's like, okay Arnie, we get it you' you're, you're checking out your escape route mm. But it's almost like he's like very machine like in some of his stuff is like okay, he's still in terminator mode
2: we will we'll get on 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 the social medias George I think it's one of our favorite gifts it's uh what I think they call it a a reverse or a, or a, a rotating GIF. boomerang the, yeah, the the boomerang of Arnie diving for cover when they first attack his log cabin and coming back up again. It's for me, it's one of the best gifs ever because it's <laughs> the look on his face. It's like pure Terminator rage, and it's just like he goes up to eleven and then he's out of shot. He's just dropped to the deck, yeah. and it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Have at it. It's on. What's the um? What's the gif? The gif on its uh, media something. There's, there's tons of them but yeah. check it out it's uh, there's but a few
0: there's a few good commando ones the other one I share, um, shared with you is when he's shaking Sully in the phone box and he's just it's just on repeat him shaking with glass falling out <laughs> looking very angry I like uh, to think
2: I like to think what happened in that scene is that um, yeah Arnie go nuts you know improvise as you like in like the stage directions where um, Matrix removes Sully from the phone box <laughs> I mean it's it's not, everyone's about that it's like oh yeah he is um, he's carrying trees he's lifting
0: pushing cars ripping out car seats
2: but to be fair to him he wanted to do all of his own stunts I, we both know he's always said um, people pay to see me That I, I want to do as many of the stunts before even though I think in some of the driving scenes George there's one or two delicious stuntmen I mean
0: all of the stunt drivers yeah there's the bit where yeah w- when they're following Sully and the stunt drivers because they're, 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 they're both <laughs> Uh, convertible cars. So Sully's a stunt <laughs> driver has a very big wig on. Uh, so, and he's much taller than, and he's um, much taller. Well th- I mean it's not hard. David Patrick Kelly is quite quite a small man, bless him. Um and R- Ray Dawn Chong, is it Cindy? She's got her big Avro. Yeah. It's probably <laughs> probably on a guy. It's probably a guy. Probably a guy. <laughs> Um, so yes, yeah, so there's some, I mean, this film has got some, no, I, I was thinking that because yeah, it's got some very obvious stunt drivers, but I was actually impressed with, I watched this on on my projector at home and um, I was impressed with the stunts in this because it, there's like, I know Arnie reading into it, he did do a lot of his stunts and he did get quite injured on this, um, but there's a bit where he comes out of the mall and he gets run over by Sully and it properly rolls over and I'm just like, I don't think that is Arnie, but it's a very good because they've done it with the lighting. It's a very good stunt man if it is because he properly rolls off the car. And I'm like, I don't think that they would have done that with him. And the bit where he's hanging off the plane.
2: Yeah, yeah that's, that's, it's him. Of,
0: that's him. It's obviously not a plane, but it's very well done. He's obviously it's
2: him in front of a really big wind machine.
0: Yes. <laughs> going quite fast. There, there are some, uh, on, on the most part, there are some, you know, the, the stunt work with Arnie is very impressive. Um, the continuity is not so impressive.
2: There are, uh, we're not talking about the end yet, are we? No, no. Um, not, we're talking about well, the bit where you wrecks,
0: there's Sully's oh, the car, Porsche, the Porsche and he flips thing, yeah. it over. Fl- flips it over. And he <laughs> it started first time? And not a scratch on it. Not a scratch yeah. on it. But, you yeah, uh, know, we've... we've We're kind of all over the place here, but I think, yeah, David Patrick Kelly uh, as Sully is so... Like delight word for
2: you, seething. He's like uh, hissable, hissable.
0: He, he's yeah. such a hissable villain, and he's so sleazy. He's so, he's like you know the rat face guy from The Rock. You you want him to suffer?
2: <laughs> yeah, but he is brilliant at it. He's got you such fucking a... whore. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he has that when we get to our revelations of covering uh, the Warriors. You know, he's a very very big uh, actor. That was what I think he one of his first films.
0: Yes. Yeah, it was. And I think that's it. Like from um, reading Time and Things book, I think he's from like quite a big theater background and took like his performances quite seriously. And I think this was this role was kind of like, you know, paying the bills. And I don't think he reflects on it very fondly of like, you know, I think he sees it as one of his lesser roles, even though he is great as the, the bad guys, one of the bad guys you love to hate
2: but it's the uh, you know it's the fact that it survives longer than the film itself that um, the you know how I said in his <laughs> I lied it's it's gone everywhere it's it's gone as far it's been in the Simpsons you've got with Mcbain talking to his food going you know how I said I eat you last <laughs> um, this, this so it's it's, it's so good, you can imagine him being a bit, being a bit uh, annoyed being such a thesp and coming from that background but for the The thing we keep going back to in a lot of the films that we cover is the character acting, not just the villains. Yes, these are mostly villains because Arnie's the sole good guy in this. But the character acting is is top dog. You know, you've got him delivering this. He's in it for a very short amount. And he's what in it for, what, three or four scenes? Yeah. And and, and he knocks it out of the park and he's remembered forever. And I love the fact that when Arnie's holding him over the edge, he's struggling to talk. I think that that's something that really holds up today. It's like, He's obviously taking he was in peak condition, took himself his physique very seriously. That was the other reason he said he didn't want to have a stunt double, is because he's so bit nobody nobody could replicate my body. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love that confidence. It's like it wouldn't be fair to the fans. Yeah. So yeah, but let's talk about his leading lady. D-d- he's with the lady. Right. Do they have an affair? Do they not? Ray is it? So is it Ray Dawn? Um, Chong. Chong. Ray Dawn yeah. Chong. Yeah. She she apparently was not. Um, well, probably not first because I think this was originally written for a Caucasian actress, but
1: stole well, the show.
0: We'll get to that in coulda woulda shoulda. Okay.
1: Sorry, no, I'll back no, no, down.
0: No, no. Uh, but I've got i got my notes. I remember her being like as a kid watching this, but you know, far too young. I remember being finding her really annoying. But she's brilliant in this, and she is the sh- the one person that like realizes it, how ridiculous it is. Like, and I think she actually improved a lot of her lines. Like, you know, like I can't believe this much bullshit. And like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. She, she, you know, she's the one that brings it down a touch by saying yes we know it's silly because yeah you know- it's
2: tongue-in-cheek like what you were saying before she's the proof she's the you know we've talked about this on other episodes where we're looking at it a little bit at times through her eyes so like, yeah. cut this macho bullshit, like what you know it's like this is insane
0: yeah and but- you know and she's not um a damsel in distress which is refreshing you know she's actually got agency you know she helps matrix she flies the plane she works out you know what she knows where... how to
2: read flight charts she knows about the the military training nearby um and exactly. she knows that, that bill paxton will probably be manning a radar uh somewhere nearby i always <laughs> love seeing him in that film and say like, when are you going to put me in a big film arnie because he, <laughs> they obviously weren't together on terminator yeah it's, um, that sounds like bill Paxton. You first um, hear his voice. It's his yeah. voice you hear first, like, is that Bill Baxson? And then, yeah, he gets some yeah. screen time.
0: Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think she's great. Uh, and I think she, as I say, she she brings an agency to the role. She plays off Arnie well, you know, his very sort of monosyllabic stoicness. She brings that, like, you know, hysteria to it. But it works.
2: What, what I want to say is we normally uh, George and I in preparation, obviously the whole idea of this is we go and watch the film again. Sometimes we like to watch them together. We like to do a, a watch along together um, or But this time it was like, no, we just need to watch it. We're going to do it. And I've watched this film, I think, in the last week, two and a half times because I kept getting to the...
0: Because I love it so much.
2: No, but there's just this one scene in the middle. I was like, has he been to the gun shop yet? I don't know what it is about this film, but I love the fact that he's so particular And it's very, I guess you could say, a kid's dream. You know, it's going into the candy store.
0: I I remember being my mind being blown watching us kick. I just want to go to America and see an army surplus.
2: I just want to go to America and buy guns. Um, Buy some claymores. We'd never we talk about, you know, we started this podcast in that we we grew up in these films. For escapist reasons, living in the northeast of England with a lot of bad weather. But, you know, you imagine seeing this. We're just like, you can buy grenades and shotguns in a Rocket launchers. It was it was nuts. And the fact that he gets caught by the cops and they are not messing about the cops. Um, the fact that it, I just love the way that that's set up, that she manages to get all the shopping away, but then he gets busted. I think it's just it's very because we talk about how short this film is. It's really economic. So it's an, an hour and a half. It's an hour and a half, um, just like any good film comedy should, should be. be. Yeah. And so Ray turns up, she grabs the the uh, rocket launcher, and Arnie, Arnie can't believe how she got it to work. And she's like, you know, I just read the instructions, you daft ape. <laughs> you know, so I I, think, I I do like that line from there. I didn't know she improved that. Um, but then we get on to the most beautiful, um, one of the best lines ever, the what you eat for breakfast. We've got Mr. Bill Duke. It's none other. Come on, the... motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that. It's such. It's. I think it's realistic in how short it is. Considering if they are both that well trained, it would be over very quickly. But it's pretty brutal.
0: But and with any eighties fight, you in a motel, you have to go through the wall, and there's a couple having sex in the next room. show you've got, a bit to, of go next,
2: you've got to go next door. <laughs> for Some TNA, bro. Got it. We need <laughs> the, the people who pay tickets for this money. It's the eighties. They need a little, little T&A We're gonna bust yeah. in next door. If if there's
0: not going to be a sex scene with you and Ray Dawn Chong, we're going to make sure somebody's having sex in this picture.
2: I just like to think that that was actually a real motel and they break in next door and it was an accident. No, but um, <laughs> yeah, but Bill, because I forget, you know, we've watched this film so many times. Bill Duke is actually, at the beginning, he's one of the garbage men. And isn't Bennett driving the garbage truck? That was way over my head back in the day.
0: No, 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 because they uh, they they make they fake it out that Bennett's, he's one of the ones that, he's on the boat. no, no, no.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, Bennett gets blown up on the boat, of course, yeah. I mean,
0: they don't explain how he gets off the boat, but don't worry about that.
2: Yeah, don't worry. He's got a scuba suit attached yeah. to the floor. I mean, it seems um, yeah, quite
0: an elaborate fake-out.
2: So we've gone through all of this. They've worked out the flight path, and he's doing some sleuthing. He's proving that he could do Bond. He's putting some seeds in James Cameron's mind about true lies. You know, it's like, yeah. I, can, I can snoop. I can stealth. And then before you know it, we're on to... Um, well, I mean, is it worth talking about Arnie taking out a jeep from like two hundred yards with a noozy? <laughs> oh, <laughs> accu- I mean, yeah. the, the accuracy thing. Let's not. Let's not worry about that. We're going to Valverde, baby. We're on no, it no, plane. But no.
0: I, that's I got confused because there's obviously I thought, hang on, how does he? Get to valverde and and how do they get to Valverde before his plane arrives, but it's Valverde is one thing where they need to, is the side plot, but then they're going to the general's got this island compound that's just off California, so that they're they're different things
2: I'm confused. the geography goes all over the place because at the so, very end when the plane takes off, I'm sure that is that pier is from California.
0: Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so it, they're saying, oh, it's just off—is uh, it San San Fernando or something like that? Or San Fernando, San F- Fernando. Um, but yeah, basically, I always got thought he was as like, hang on, he gets off the plane, and then Jenny's taken to Valverde by boat, but gets there before the plane. It doesn't, but no, it's two different things. There's Valverde, and then there's the General's Island compound, which is just off the Californian coast, conveniently.
2: I don't um, think any of that matters, George. It didn't matter then. It doesn't it matter
0: oh, it doesn't. It doesn't because I'll be back, Bennett. We, we have skirted around the, the villain of every great hero needs a good villain, Charlie.
2: I just like to... The thing you've got to point about, Bennett, is that there's hammy acting. And we've had so much of that in the films we covered on this podcast. There's a lot of hammy bad guys. There's some intelligent guys. There's some seriously terrifying ones. Then there's Alan Rickman. And then there's somebody who's like, this This is... It's, in, in his own niche. <laughs> it's just like, I, I love the fact that, you know, the story behind the scenes was that Bennett turned up, came on the set, and Arnie was like, I don't think this guy's got what it takes. How is he going to be a convincing bad guy? And it's because Vernon was being so nice back set and chatting to everyone, and he's like... Well, he's, he's,
0: he's, he's a laid-back Australian.
2: He's a lovely, with the best accent in the world. So mm-hmm. lovely guy getting on with everyone, and Arnie's like, I don't see this working. And then they have this first scene and he just goes at him with a knife. And from that moment on, Arnold on was like, I don't want to be left in the room with him alone. And he only <laughs> uses a plastic knife from now on. So that is it's, how... It's a joke knife. It's a, a joke, joke knife. knife. <laughs> it's a joke knife, oh, Arnold. Um, <laughs> but it just shows Vernon Wells' capability. Um, oh, bless and... him. So, uh, yeah,
0: Vernon Wells, I mean, we, we, we talked about him in, of all films, Weird Science, See, um, because... Joel Silver, again, Weird Science is a Joel Silver production. Uh, very who well. does
2: nuts. I need somebody who does nuts. Well, yeah, he, <laughs>
0: he um, the Mad Max 2 also known as the Road Warrior in, in America was such a huge hit and he's obviously the villain in that and yeah joel silver was desperate to get him uh in his films because he's such an intense presence but bizarrely he wasn't uh originally cast as a villain it was somebody else uh that was apparently fired on the first day and the producers had to you know quickly recast it so yeah they got vernon wells in flew him in from australia and put him straight into wardrobe and uh, he's he came Wells, out wearing a
2: chainmail vest. <laughs> no, but the thing
0: is, Vernon Wells is was a lot bigger than the other actor, and that's why it's quite tight fitting. <laughs>
2: Shows um, off the package Shows off the wells but,
0: but I noticed when I was watching it the other night That you hear Bennett Because you hear his chainmail before he appears on screen You no, the tinkle, I noticed twinkle.
2: this I, I blame the Blu-ray The high high definition um, Sound audio quality for this Because I was watching this uh, I think I finally finished this film off On, it was Saturday or Sunday evening And it was just like All you can is the twinkle twinkle, twinkle, twinkle. It's like he's, he's playing with his dog tags He's playing with his knife and all you can hear is, like, there's a microphone under that chainmail somewhere. Oh, no, John. <laughs> uh, hello, John. Hello, John. I like you, gosh. Um, Yeah, everything the, he says is like... You little pissant Goss. <laughs> Me and Matrix. Um, oh, no, we that, were, that was, that <laughs> was my favourite line. Comp- fantasising about <laughs> him and Matrix yeah, no, killing everyone he's working for. Nobody he
0: just goes, if Matrix were here, he'd be laughing too.
2: <laughs> yeah, I like- mean... They like say Matrix. it's not gay. They say it's not homoerotic. They say he's just fanatical about killing him. But it's the delivery's brilliant. It's just so camp. It's...
0: According to, again, in this Empire feature, Mark Lester, the director, said, when I chose Bennett's costume, I wanted it to look punk rock, like a punk look.
2: <laughs> Something later, like that at Mad Max.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, people said it looks like gay leather gear. That was never the intention. Um, he said, yes, he's infatuated with Arnold's character, but in an innocent way.
2: Yeah, he, in, in, but Vernon Wells says he, he was infatuated with killing him. Yes. Um, but before we talk about that end fight between the two of them, um, let's talk about the original suiting up. Now, what I want to ask you before we, we talk about this scene, is there something similar in Rambo? In the, <laughs> Yeah, well, in Rambo, obviously you like get could the cut chomp 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 chomp. Yeah, the, chomp, but but good that's, to
0: go. but it's quite early on in Rambo because he gets all like his gear in Rambo. And then he has to
2: cut it loose,
0: and then he cuts it loose, and he only gets left with his the knife and the his knife. trusty exploding arrows. But then in Rambo two, you also get two suiting up scenes because you've kind of got the bit at the start where he's getting all the gear, and then later when the love of his life that he's just met. met. You, t- you take me to America? And uh, she gets killed and he does the sort of suiting up or muscling up in the rain. God, yeah. I can't wait to cover that film. Oh my so, God, I'm so aroused. So um... <laughs> so aroused by Reagan <laughs> politics.
2: <laughs> oh, I oh, need, to, need to go back to Vietnam, show those guys who are boss. Do so, we get do- to win this time? No, George, hold it back. Hold it back. Mm. We'll do it. We'll cover it at some point. And we've done enough Joel Silver this year to to be high as kites. So, bringing it back to commando, the suiting up scene. So we've seen them More do the More dried shopping. ice. Yeah, <laughs> we've seen... I know there is a little bit of dry ice in this film. So we've seen them do the shopping. Uh, she's dropped him off in the in the plane taxi. He's, he's, he's got to his
0: speedos, is Austrian speedos.
2: What we call the unnecessary speedo rowing yeah. scenes. Um, but, you know, every, it floats your boat, literally, in this. Mm. Um, peck's are rumbling. He arrives, gets suited up. And what a scene! The fact that you're carrying too much, like he's got chomp, 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 chomp.
0: Well, no, I think they, it's it's one of the gags in uh, Loaded Weapon where he gets all it suited falls up. over. He's got so <laughs> much gear on, and it's it's true. It's it's ridiculous, like how much gear he's he's. Uh... Okay,
2: so can I can I just recap what I saw being bought in the store versus what he took with him? So, um, two fully automatic um rifles. assault rifles. Yeah. Two Shot- shotguns, yeah, right. You can't, you can't go anywhere. We're just carrying th- the guns th- with I no think, ammo in I, them, right?
0: I think four, cl- at least four claymores.
2: Uh, yeah, I think there's yeah four, four, five, maybe yeah carrying at least four claymores, uh, four grenades. He's got his knife. He's got his um, rocket launcher and then he's got his desert desert eagle um, and rocket launcher am I leaving anything out and then the rest he just picks up oh what this this machine gun yeah this light machine gun but it's it's still a scene to behold release dry ice. <laughs> And then we get to see some of the most economic use of stuntmen that I think has ever been known. Am I right, George? Is this a suspicious stuntman occurrence? Oh, oh very
0: much so. I mean, apparently, according to uh, D'Souza, that yes, yeah, so Rambo Two or, or First Blood Part Two came out whilst they were making this, and um, one Mark of them up, got
2: a sneak peek. It, yeah, Mark, unless you sure works- out.
0: Well Marco Lester went to, to see it uh, yeah, got a sneak preview and he and he realized how many people Stallone kills in, in Rambo first blood part two. And he this is the line. I love this quote. He says, said to D'Souza, We gotta have a bigger dick than Rambo. We gotta slay more people. Uh, <laughs> and and Souza, yeah, admits like you know he goes originally in his script there was some plausibility. It's a you know, the dictator's living on a private island, so he's gonna have a few dozen security forces but he said after after seeing rambo it got out of hand and it was like we were killing more and more stuntmen over a hundred people and mark lester also goes on to say a lot of stuntmen were getting reused they were putting on new costumes and
2: mustaches and hairs the same guy might play four parts I was really looking for that this time I watched because you told me about this. There's a um,
0: lot. Of, there's a lot of dodgy. Uh, uh, there's a lot of tashes going on, and a lot of them are very obviously stick-on <laughs> mustaches. Th- that's
2: what I was going to say to you. It wasn't the fact that these guys were wearing like mustaches. It was the fact they look like they died, gone backstage, and had someone had forced just very quickly rushed a mustache on them. And they'd gone back out again to get killed again. Because yeah, there's the same guy. And to be fair. They're all kind of, for this being set in, you know, Villa, they're not all Hispanic looking. They've all been given, give them dark hair and moustaches. No one will tell the difference. And to be fair, blink and you miss it. We probably didn't back then. They're just like, yeah, we take it. They're local and, in- and,
0: and not in, you know, in, in HD quality. Um, the other thing that we, well, I I don't, I don't know when I noticed this, but I definitely noticed it this time around. So, you know, for the money shot where he's, he's planted all the bombs, the explosion. The, the the explosion that you see from multiple angles.
2: The you mannequins.
0: See, <laughs> see two yeah. soldiers in front of the buildings quite clearly, on sticks and the big explosions going off. And, and they just, don't move. They, they don't, don't move.
2: <laughs> it's they just don't sort of move. like, if you're going to use mannequins... Why put them on sticks? Them, why not, why not? Why not <laughs> just... Why not, but why not just have them there and then the force of the explosion <laughs> blow them around like a ragdoll?
0: You know? Maybe they just didn't have enough explosives to put on the sticks as well. And just thought, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine, but the it's, firewall... It's the,
2: it's the fact that it's so blatantly wood because it's a physical explosion. The explosion is real. It's impressive. Yeah. It blows everything out. And you just see these... these Scarecrows, things, effectively. <laughs> let's call them soldier crows. You just see their clothes get blown off and they start getting blackening <laughs> and they're like, there's wood, there's the wood literally catches fine. You're like, those are wood mannequins. Thank <laughs> you for the physical explosions. No, thank you. Uh, it's brilliant. You thought mustaches were the smallest problem. Oh, yeah. But then suddenly, yeah, we
0: are at the dictator's the, 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 his house, and yeah, everyone is getting killed. Every um, they're in the rose garden, and yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the same mansion from Beverly Hills Cop because it is. It's the old silent movie star Harold Lloyd's old estate, so it's quite a famous house in Beverly Hills. It's gunishment. It's, it's, it's fantastic. It's turned he's up just- to
2: 11, lots of broke breaking windows. I really feel sorry for the, I mean, I think one of our followers on Facebook said, yeah, that, that scene where Arnie's using a rose bush for cover is amazing. Yeah. But, um, the guy that I feel really sorry for is the guard with a cigar, the guard who's heard all the noise and he's waiting around a corner while smoking a cigar as Arnie's stalking the house, And it's just like, oh, this guy knows Arnie's coming. This guy's going to stand up to him. Are they going to have a one-on-one? Is he going to be the henchman? No, no, he's dead. He's (laughs) He's dead. dead. One shot, bam, he's down. And yeah, um, the Corriega guy, he turns up with this um, impressive machine gun and they have a little bit of a battle, but has a gruesome death.
0: It's Yeah, just gloss over that, because it's all about the main showdown, which is very... I don't
1: need John!
0: (laughs) But again, like... It's things you just take for granted as a kid and whatever. It's like, how big is this basement underneath this like mansion villa? It's like an industrial complex underneath this, vi- this villa. So I, I think
2: worry. the airport and Die Hard 2 is smaller. What,
0: funnily enough, there there was a different ending uh, originally scripted, but they they basically spent all their money on stuntmen. But
2: uh, <laughs> on mustaches, <laughs> on <the> whole... <laughs> <laughs> we, we blew all of our budget on mustaches. <laughs>
0: Guys, look at we have spent all the money on mustaches. We spent 70k on wigs. How are we going to hold up these mannequins? Uh, Sorry, right. I've got I've got some. I've got a
2: plan. We're going to are going to nail them to the floor. Won't that look stupid? Don't no, worry about no. it. The explosions will cover everything.
0: Um, but the, the original ending sounds awesome. And it so it was supposed to end with Bennett uh, and Matrix chasing each other on speedboats. Then they land on an island where the Marines do their training and fight with knives on the beach with barbed wire everywhere, landmines going off. And uh, naval gunships firing at them. It would be been... Christ.
2: That's that's like um, that's like face off meets Enter the Dragon meets Bad Boys Two. Do it. Yeah,
0: do it. <laughs> it sounds sounds awesome. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah. D'Souza says, unfortunately, we spent all our money killing 150 people, so we had Wigs, to shoot the
1: scene
2: moustaches. in a basement
1: instead.
2: Wigs, mustaches, and chopping right. the tops of people's heads off yeah. with some sort of saw blade. So, yes, you've got the
0: big face off in the industrial furnace underneath this building and some very, very homoerotic lines. Come on, Bennett.
2: You want to stick it in me? Put the knife in me, Bennett. Come on, twist it. Go on. Let's fire me. <laughs> I don't need the girl, John. I just love the way he loses his shit. It's, that is his acting. Turned up to 11 is the fact that it, I think what I would relate this to is Christopher Walken in um, A View to a Kill is that it's proper crazy. Like you see him and he's like, he, he acts like a crazy person. does, not an actor trying to look crazy. Yeah, I think like Christopher Walken is a very believable psychopath, smart and twisted. And it's the same here. You can see Bennett all being cool and like me and Bennett would Sorry, me and Matrix would kill all your guys, and then he, when he finally meets his target, he loses it, and he's sweating, and he's nuts, and he's sexy, and
0: he's, he's, he's been he's been <laughs> dreaming about this moment.
2: <laughs> but it is, it's like you see the the rage in his eyes. I want to know what what did
0: what did Matrix do to Ben? What
2: did Matrix do to the, <laughs> to his team? Because they're all at interesting ages, and like. That's the that's the sequel that we need. We need the prequel. Don't make the sequel, make the prequel. Get somebody, um, get Remy Malik to play young Bennett. You know, <laughs> he's, he's got the Freddie Mercury going on. Oh, no. Um, no, no, but it's a good fight. Um, we've got another one-liner, and then we've got the it's it once again back to the Bond trope. You know, the Marie they turn up at the final hour. There's always the reunion we used to. I can remember joking about this with John Glendinning. Uh, about uh, how Alyssa Milano's character, Jenny, has Jenny. Ne- never met Cindy. And they hug as if they're long lost pen pals. It's um, It stuck out back then when we were really young, but we used to look out for those types of things. Well, no, we're
0: going to have to, uh, whether we feature it at the end of this episode, and we'll also put a link to it, but there's, um, we talked about it in our Predator episode of Predator the musical, but the same guys who do that on YouTube, they do Commando the musical. And I just remember that at the end of the song, it's like... Jenny, here's your new mother.
2: (laughs) 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 It adds gravitas to sit. Jenny and
0: me, (laughs) Bennett and me.
2: It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So uh, we've talked a lot about the characters who featured in this film, but um, who didn't make the cut, George? I think it's, is it, is it time for some coulda, woulda, shoulda?
1: Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should.
2: So coulda woulda shoulda is where George enlightens me and the rest of us uh, to the actors that were considered for the roles or approached or casted, um, auditioned, but didn't get it. So who have we got?
0: So um, as as I said earlier, I on, mean it was th- must
2: have always been an Arnie picture, right? No, right? wrong.
0: Right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this wasn't always an Arnie vehicle. So back when it was a grounded, <laughs> downbeat take about a you know a. An Israeli soldier who's turned his back on violence. Originally, it was bizarrely Kiss frontman Gene Simmons was in the frame. I think explain I, I, I <laughs> what think, the fuck. I, I think because he kind of looks Israeli. He could get away. I know, like Gene Simmons cropped up in a few films in the eighties. So I'm like, I, I'm not sure he obviously had a good agent. Um, <laughs> he but then. Big. But then later, and this this kind of makes sense when you realise Joel Silver and Forty Eight Hours was involved because that uh, was Nick Nolte was oh, um, I'm so death. choking choking with my
2: homeless clothes. <laughs> um, so yeah, Nick we Nolte. Nick. We, we
0: do love Nick
2: Nolte. Don't
0: don't, don't please don't come after us, Mister Nolte. So yes, he was in the frame, but they they both turned it down apparently. Something about it being too silly. Um, <laughs> but, um, but then in terms of, as you said, in regards to the role of Cindy, Ray Dawn Chong n- nailed it in the auditions. But apparently, according to, to Mark Lester, they saw practically every hot actress in, in Hollywood at the time. And uh, some of the names included Sharon Stone and Bridget Nielsen, who obviously would uh, both go on to star with... Niel-
2: Bridget Nielsen Nani, that'll never work. Sharon yeah. Stone Arnie, that'll no, never work. No,
0: never work. So yes, they're they're two very different actresses, and and two very different actors as well. Could have gone very differently.
2: Gene Simmons, just <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> you're going <laughs> to you, perform your greatest hits, right? Wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he would definitely do the awesome theme tune not theme tune the the rock tune at the uh the power ballad at the end what a oh track but what? the power station
2: we fight for, for love. love i guess it's just the narrative tied up into a wonderful bunch so i think it's probably a good time to point out we had uh time and sing on our show recently, we talked about many different villains and bad guys. And after we'd finished recording, we asked him because he's got some seriously behind the scenes uh, stories to be shared. He's you know, had his forward done by uh, Stephen D'Souza.
0: And he's interviewed Vernon Wells, Bill Duke,
2: David Patrick Kelly. So he gave us his insight into what went on behind the camera and some other nuggets that you might not have heard before. Here it is, Time and Singh talking about Commando.
0: Uh, So, Timon, what are your first memories
1: of Commando? So, this might shock you as someone who kind of loves action films and writes it. But back in the day, when I was a kid, 7 or 8, I was very squeamish when it came to on-screen violence. I was kind of terrified by it. I remember one Christmas, everyone in my family was watching Monty Python the Holy Grail. And there's the scene with the black knight. Uh, (laughs) And I walked in and the arm comes off and blood squirting everywhere. And I was just like, no, 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 no. (laughs) And just walked out kind of like very pale. And then there was another time when we were at my uncle's house and him and my dad were watching Predator. And I walked in to say goodnight to them. And Bill Duke's head just explodes (laughs) on the screen. And I was like, and I'm leaving. Um, but, <laughs> Nightmares for me <laughs> Exactly uh, And then it was like uh, I, I think I was eight or nine I had a friend called Michael And I would go around to his house And we would have sleepovers and watch movies And he would introduce me to basically all these films That his dad had on video And we'd watch stuff like The Running Man and Mad Max 2 And all these kind of great you know 80s action films And I think it was Commando That kind of got me over my it's not real. It's not real. Yeah. It's so over the top and comically violent that I was like, this is great. It's like a live action Tom and Jerry cartoon. It's, you know, someone getting hit in the frying pan and their face is like in bed in the frying pan. It's that level of violence. So I just remember it in, you know, my friend kind of pointing out that Arnie's gun never seems to run out of ammo or, you know, where he's just picking up David Patrick Kelly and dropping him off things or where he cuts off the guy's arm and then slaps him with his own arm. It's that kind of level where I was like, yeah, I was like, this is great fun. And uh, I think that was probably the film where I I kind of got over my initial squeamishness of gore and blood. Because once you've got Arnie using a rose bush for cover while gunning down like an entire South American army, you're like, "Um, I'm okay. I'm okay now. More violence. Give me more. It's it's that outrageousness.
0: And that was a well, you've, you've answered all my follow-up questions to say, is why is it so beloved? And I think that's it. It's It stands the test of time in terms of it is ridiculous, but they're kind of in on the joke rather than, as you say, with First Blood Part 2, it is ridiculous and Stallone's not in on the joke. No. Um, like the you, Fast and
1: Furious films. Everyone's in on the joke apart from Vin Diesel, <laughs> who, who thinks he's in Hamlet yeah oh, absolutely <laughs> from uh your
0: know your books and and the the film that you did you've you've interviewed a lot of the the cast of of commando so you've interviewed Vernon Wells, who obviously plays Bennett david patrick Kelly who plays sully uh you've interviewed the the great bill duke uh, yes. and you were you were saying you've also interview, uh, interviewed mark uh, l Lester and mm-hmm. uh, Stephen D'Souza was obviously well. he was the writer wasn't he yes he was yeah so um you must have uh, some great stories from those guys what, what were the sort of the, the best anecdotes that cropped out of all of those interviews is there any anything uh, that springs to mind
1: the the, the one story that I, when I first met Steven E. D'Souza I, I was kind of look, like look I keep hearing this rumour that Die Hard was meant to be a sequel to Commando is this true and he went no that's total bullshit and mm-hmm. I was like why do I keep hearing this then and he was like okay let me tell you and he told me what the plot to Commando 2 was going to be. And it was going to be set in a skyscraper. Essentially, after, after the events of Commando, uh, John Matrix is a bit of a superstar. Um, and he sets up a private security firm. It's like the best in the best. He like hires ex-special forces. He gets you know, special security systems. And one of his clients... Uh, gets him to essentially security-proof this building. And I think Ray Dawn Chong's in it, but she's now an investigative reporter, and she finds out that his client is actually, you know, a front for a drug smuggling scheme. And the film was going to end with Ray Dawn Chong and Jenny being kidnapped by Matrix's client, and Matrix has to break into the building that he's equipped with all these security features to rescue them. So he's got to overcome his own security force. Shut up and, and take my money. Yeah. <laughs> and Stephen E. D'Souza was like, I think because it was set in a skyscraper, there's been this lots of, you know... cross mis- Crosswired, mis- yeah. yeah. It, it's a man breaking into a skyscraper to rescue his loved ones. And that's where, like, the confusion has has lied. And that was going to be the plot of Commando 2. Yeah, I, I remember that rumour going around for years. And obviously, you know, before the
0: internet everyone's saying oh yeah that's how it t- turned out you know it was, they just changed the names and stuff like hmm uh, no, yes, I, I remember re- reading a uh, it was something similar I don't know if it was it was uh, an interview the interview you had with yourself but I remember reading Stephen E. D'Souza it might have been every year when it comes around uh, the the, the ever going debate of is Die Hard a Christmas movie and I think he came out with some other stuff to to say about it um, so there's been rumors of a remake of commando for years i think even uh john cena was was tagged for it in this day and age do you think it could it's you know it could even work because as we said it, you know it's it was ridiculous at the time but it kind of worked because of that's what it was the height of the big muscle bound it was sending a
2: message it was basically sending a message that, that these certain parts of the world there's loads of people who are bad and we need to go and take them out that yeah. was the kind of the reagan message you mentioned earlier and they just all fall into that category and where would that sit today it's like yeah we're going to make a film it would have to for me it would have to be sending a different message and as time uh, pointed out earlier what are the fast and the furious doing they're kind of doing the same thing exactly with all of the bad guys in that it's so awesome.
1: commando's already been remade a bunch of times like by russia and, <laughs> you know where they they've got It's essentially a shot-for-shot remake, but with a big rushing guy, And the action film trope of former Special Forces guy has family member abducted, that is a genre unto itself. (laughs) Taken is essentially Commander. You know, Fast and Furious 8, it's like... Oh, they've got my son. (laughs) Exactly, they've got my son. Anything where, you know... So and so's family members kidnapped, that that is essentially commando. So the idea of remaking commando when you've got all these Liam Neeson, you know, Frank Grillo, Bruce Willis films, is just an exercise in redundancy. It's kind of like when they remade point break when you already had the Fast and the Furious franchise. Yeah. It's like the Fast and the Furious (laughs) is the remake of Point Break. (laughs) Why are you doing a remake of Point Break? It's completely redundant. Yeah. And as a result, no one saw it.
0: Actually, um, just, just talking about that now, that's just um, reminded me that basically, um, well, was, uh, last year, Charlie and I covered uh, Bad Boys 1 and 2. Mm. And basically the the ending of Bad Boys 2 turns into Commando because they go to... A Q- they go to Cuba, they manage to get all this military support and there's yeah. a big mansion and it's being destroyed. It's completely, it's just like, where did this come from? Who came up with
1: this idea? Um, uh, yeah. But Yeah, it, exactly. It's the, the, uh, the whole trope of action hero must go save his daughter. That's not exactly something groundbreaking that people are going to be like, I've never seen that before. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a fresh take on the story. Yeah, I remember um, with, uh,
2: with Taken, the, because we obviously loved the first Taken. I, I saw that when I was backpacking in Argentina with another English guy. I was like, yes, an English guy, let's go see this film, and loving it. And then there's obviously Taken 2, and, and George jokingly said to me, or, or read online or something like, Taken 3, it's the dog. <laughs> they've, they've, they've taken the
0: dog, <laughs> but they—it wasn't he himself was taken. It's like your mother and I have been taken. What, that
2: doesn't doesn't make sense? Yeah, it's um, Just don't say kidnapped. Don't use the
1: word kidnapping. We're not. We have to say taken. We're not sure why, but it's it's crazy. I think the the ones that would really make difference is I think on Twitter about a year ago someone was going. Here's an idea: instead of making Die Hard Five, remake Die Hard, but instead of John McClane, it's Charlize Theron and she's got to rescue her wife and it's a big lesbian action story. And I'm like, at least that's a unique idea. Let's Definitely. do that. Yeah, it's like Charlize what? Theron is former special forces and they kidnap her boyfriend and she or girlfriend and she's just got to wade through bad guys. It's like, yeah, instead of like the big muscular guy, let's shake it up a little bit. Yeah, I'd, I'd watch that. I mean, I I'd thought... Watch atomic blondes uh you know i thought
0: that whilst the story's a bit thin it's uh, i love the the style the look and obviously you know as you were saying at uh, 87 11 that the fights are always going to be um brilliantly
1: choreographed um, there was this good vietnamese film a few years ago called fury f-u-r-i-e with veronica go who was in the old guard and also the last jedi and she's essentially like a vietnamese mafia hit woman who's retired and then they kidnap her daughter to get her back in the game. And then she just starts wading through all these Vietnamese crime gangs to get her daughter back. And I was like, there you go. Commando in Vietnam with a woman. That's all you need. Don't win. Right? nice. Nice. Yeah. Oh, they got my dog. Yeah, Don't win. kill my dog. Exactly. So I'm going yeah. to kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just title recognition that studios are going for. And I oh, think absolutely. audiences have kind of cottoned onto that. They're like... There's nothing a remake of Commando would offer that I don't think anything else in the past 10 years has provided. Well, has not already provided. There, there,
0: there is one thing that could be interesting, and this was my final question for you. Um, obviously, you've interviewed Vernon Wells. Yeah. Is Bennett in love with John Matrix? Is
1: it is it, it real love, or is it just... Or an, is it just PTSD? Know? I did ask him this, and he didn't seem to, you know, indicate that that was what he was going for, but he seems perfectly fine with it these days. (laughs) So, because I also asked about his character in Mad Max too, I was like, you know, it was quite progressive to see, like, a homosexual henchman. And he was like, that's not what I was going for. The guy... um, The golden Why does head... everyone think I'm so camp? <laughs> yeah, the, the golden haired guy at the beginning was meant to be my adopted son, who I saved from like ravages that you would have seen or was in the script. And he's on the I know I'm grooming to be my replacement. And then he's killed. It's like the loss of a son. And then he's like, for a few years, I was kind of annoyed that you know, people thought my character was gay because obviously it's the 80s and homophobia was just a way of life. But I think these days, he's just kind of like mellow to it. And it's just kind of like, I see where they're coming from. And I don't mind. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. So it's just kind of, it's, it's, it's interesting what you kind of see in a film. And everyone just sees the intense homoerotism between Matrix and Bennett. And I think he's like, Hey, the leather outfit is not helping things here, but that, that's not that what chain, we we're going for. That chainmail vest, the and chainmail, yeah. the stoker's vest, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I think that's that's uh,
0: all the the sort of the questions I've got uh, for you for for Commando. But um, thank you very much for that, Timon.
2: George, what else can we say about this film that we that hasn't already been said? I mean, we've only got one shot of this, you know. Like I what mean, else do you want to talk about?
0: You only get one shot. Um, so yeah, I mean, in summary, yes, it's ridiculous, but it's a very important film in Arnie's career in terms of as I say, you know, it sets it's the first film to really do the Arnie formula. It is a larger than life film, but it kind of knows it is. It's an hour and a half long, you know. it's 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 you know it's in and out it does as what you need to it's very much a comfort film but yeah it's obviously it's not up there with arnie's greatest films if you look at predator takes elements of this formula the the one-liners and he's again he's another commando essentially but it's much more grounded in in, it even though it's he's fighting a big alien it's a much more serious take but yeah, it's there's a lot of fun in this film. I don't I don't know what else there is to say really. It's uh, but it's, it's it's an interesting when you when you trace it back to seeing that's how Arnie's action career pretty much starts from this film.
2: I think for me I'm just going to go full Daily Mail. You know, when people say this is a rib rolling roller coaster ride of it it's we could we what's come up on our podcast before is that you know t- talking about another of Arnie films which we've covered Terminator 2, is it the greatest action film of all time? Is it the greatest sci-fi of all time? Probably not the sci-fi, but it's somewhere in between the two. Whereas with Commander, you can say with tongue in cheek, the greatest film of all time. <laughs> because, of all time. Because you're on the same page. It's a comedy. It's taking the piss out of itself. Mm. It's ridiculous. It's turned up to 11. And for anybody listening to this podcast who will have grown up with this film, it is what it is, you know? It's... Um, it's why we have it's it's it kind of what separates the wheat from the chaff. It's like if we're going to spend a lot of money on a film, have lots of special effects. What do people? What does what does our audience want to see? And this film gives it all. But
0: saying that, that's something I haven't really commented on. It only had a budget of around, I think, around ten million, which probably back in the in the mid eighties was a healthiest budget. But if you look at you know um, less than six years later, terminated two is a hundred million, you know, the most expensive yeah. film ever made. So yes. And as we've picked on, you know, there are some bits where the, but the budget is showing with stuntmen, men, people on poles, that sort of thing. And the fact it's all filmed in California.
2: So just in the interests of keeping the length of this episode shorter than the film itself, which is oh always God, hopefully <laughs> I'm, I'm not, Hey, sometimes we fail. It's, it's like some of the rules, some of the rules in life are there to be broken. We could talk about commando for hours, but this is
0: one what, uh, episode one of four, right?
2: Yeah, it's it's a <laughs> it's a mini-series. Uh we're selling it to Netflix. It's only nine hours. Um <laughs> There's one thing I forgot to say. I'm pretty like Arnie is ripped in this
0: film, right? And his he's wearing some very tight pants where his buttocks are quite clearly on show. Either he's wearing a thong or has he gone commando? So, I'll leave it. Goodbye. Good night. See you later.
2: S- just just taxi for George McGee, I'm, I'm off.
0: I'm off. See you later.
2: Um. So that was our... Uh, that was George and I doing what we do every week, which is we sit each other down and talk about commando.
0: And talk no. about Arnie's tight <laughs> buttocks.
2: Uh No, so... We, we wait a long time to do this film. I'm glad we've done this film. Um, what have we got coming up next? Are we allowed to tell people what, what's uh, next?
0: Well, uh, next month, uh, well, actually... It'll... <laughs>
2: whenever you're listening to this, when, whenever... we're, we're in the past and they're in the future. We
0: are, it, it will be Halloween. So we will be doing dun, 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 An American Werewolf in London.
2: It a rom-com A um, rom Yeah
0: <laughs> So okay, yes um, We will be doing uh, For its 40th anniversary
2: I believe uh, There's a tie-in There's definitely uh, Always a tie-in yeah.
0: uh, Yes um, Horror comedy But I just found it More of a horror film Growing up um, I was terrified Of uh, that film Favourite film Of the Glenn Dinnings Glenn
2: Dinnings ter- Terrified
0: Doubling with horror As we usually do uh, For Halloween So that is is Coming up and we've got some other things in the pipeline between now and the end of the year.
2: Lots of special things coming your way. So yeah, that that's been emotional. It's I'm glad that we've um, that we've got Bennett's crazy eyes ticked off the list, and that we don't have to go back to that unless it's our own choice. Um, thank you everybody for all the all the comments and all the feedbacks and all the suggestions. Many films being added to our revelations list. People pointing out some films that we, that, might, that might have not been in the Glendinning or Feeney or McGee uh, VHS collection, but we will get to them. And just, just to be known, we're going to always be doing the same Retro Ramble episodes will always be available to you. Uh, but all of these extras and specials and revelations that we're talking about doing in the next few months, those will be for our Patreon audience when we've got our asses into gear and got it all sorted out. Anything else we need to bring up, George? no no uh
0: just the usual sort of platitudes of thank you for listening yeah if you enjoy this this podcast we are an independent little podcast we do this out of you know our love for these films so if you enjoy what you hear you know please spread the word whether that's in real life on social but yeah you know
1: cat,
2: or your goldfish uh,
0: but you know as we charlie and i are are quite approachable. So if you do have questions, if you do have film suggestions, please get in touch. There are some weird and wonderful films that we've never heard of. There's some films that we may have just completely like, forgotten about. So hoping to bring more different content your way um, via our Patreon. But yes, if you've got any ideas, let us know.
2: So I've been Charlie McGee.
0: I've been George McGee.
2: We've been Commando. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.